As a church, you are in the middle of a message series called Blessed. Everybody say blessed. The word blessed comes from a Greek word, makarios, which simply means happy or happiness. And uh, in the series, we are exploring eight beautiful and also countercultural statements that Jesus made. In his famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, we read about this uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, you can open your Bibles or you can turn on your Bibles or uh, if, if, you, if you like to save trees, it's on the screen and uh, whatever devices you're on, it doesn't matter. You, you can follow it with me today. Uh, in these eight statements, which we call the Beatitudes, Jesus reveals a model for how Christians are to live their lives. The Beatitudes reveal the character or describe the character of God's kingdom in this series, in this sermon. In the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about spiritual poverty. He talks about sadness and mourning, not moaning. I have a beatitude, blessed are those who moan, they will not be comforted. But anyway, uh, he, he talks about meekness and gentleness, a hunger and passion for God, mercy and compassion. Today we're going to be focusing on verse 8 in the next beatitude where Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your presence here today. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you for the privilege, for the opportunity to come together to worship and to hear your word. And God, we don't want entertainment. We want an encounter in this place. God, I pray that your word would speak to us, that we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will live it out. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And we pray that you keep all the crusaders humble. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we live in a society, for, for the most part, we are very interested in purity. We are very purity conscious. We want pure air, pure water, pure food. If you go to a restaurant or you go to a cafe and if, these, if there is a little bit of contamination in your food, you send it back and you ask them to remake it. My wife, she has this ability. She's got this prophetic anointing. She can just look at the food and she can tell if, if there's contamination or if there's a little bit of hair or something. She's like, I can't eat it. And she's got to send it back. I'm like, oh, you'll love, come on, you know. You just eat it. You'll be fine. She goes, no, no, I've got to send it. I'll be like, oh, before you send it, can I have a little bit more? And eat it. It's, it's, it's rude to send it back to the chef. He's worked hard. And see, people take pollution very seriously. See, in this beatitude, Jesus is talking about, or he's addressing a different kind of pollution. Jesus is talking about heart pollution. It's not a matter of external behavior. It's a matter of internal attitude. It's not a matter of external behavior. It's a matter of internal attitude. Today, this week, the Titanic has been on the news quite a bit. Uh, in 1912, when the Titanic sailed, everybody said they were, they were unsinkable. This is why, because they, they were using new technology. This is what they did. The hull of the ship, uh, 
was divided into compartments so that if, if some of the compartments were damaged or flooded, the ship would still stay afloat. What they did was they, they had one unified integrated hull. So they divided it into, sorry, they divided into compartments instead of one unified integrated hull. A hull. So they said it was unsinkable, but the unthinkable happened. They sank. Because the integrity of the hull was damaged and the ship was doomed. See, life is like a ship. You can be sailing, smooth sailing, one, saying life is good, God is good, and everything is going really well. But here's the thing. If, if, the, if our purity of our heart, if our integrity is damaged, we're going to sink just like the Titanic. You are headed for disaster. You are headed for a major disaster. And that's why this beatitude we're focusing on this morning is so important. This prayer, this message that Jesus taught, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This is so important. Why? Because to be pure in spirit means to have a heart that is undivided and fully devoted to God. To, to, be, to, to be pure in spirit is about having integrity, authenticity, authenticity, and sincerity in our relationship with Him. Listen carefully. Purity is not about perfection. It's about pursuing holiness. What is holiness? In the New Testament, holiness is described as set apart, having moral purity, it's about a genuine desire to align our hearts, our will, our actions, our thoughts, our behavior, every area of our lives in line with God's will for our lives. Can I get an amen this morning? See, a pure heart describes a person whose single-minded loyalty to God has affected every area of their lives. They have their hearts set on God instead of external religious rituals. Because the rabbis at that time, they were developing a complex system of laws for maintaining ceremonial purification. The Jewish tradition emphasized on rituals. They thought purity was a matter of external ceremonies. It was all externals. Then I love this. Jesus came on the scene and he challenged their teachings and their systems. And he said this, purity of heart was more about the condition of your heart than external religion, religious traditions and ritual ceremonies. And that's why the Bible says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at our heart. So Jesus said that purity is not about external, it's about the internal heart. And, and I love what he says to them in Matthew 23, 25 to 6, it's on the screen. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then outside also will be clean. So Jesus' core focus was the condition of the heart. Uh, this, um, a couple of months ago, this year, I actually 
went for my annual health check. And, uh, and Sharon was like, you need to go and see the nurse. And they did my annual health check. And she said to me, boy, clean bill. And then did my heart test. And they said, I'm 41. I know a lot of people are shocked now. And, um, and they said to me, you've got the heart of a 37-year-old. I was like, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Came home. And I told Sharon. And she was like, that's not something I'll tell everybody. Uh, but, you know, I was like, I've got, I've got a great heart. And, and, and then I really felt the Holy Spirit say to me, what about your spiritual heart? All of us, as much as we think about our physical heart, a physical heart, what about our spiritual hearts? And Jesus is saying the core focus of this be attitude is the condition of the heart. The Greek meaning for the word pure comes from a Greek word called katharos. It means to be cleansed, washed, blameless, unstained from guilt. It speaks of cleansing the bodies of the impurities, unmixed, unadulterated, undiluted. A pure heart has no hypocrisy, no hidden agenda. A pure heart is marked by transparency and, a, and an uncompromising desire to please God in all, the, all areas of your life. It's more than external purity of behavior. It's a purity of our soul. And that's why the words of David in Psalm 51 verse 50, it says, Create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. And that's my prayer for all of us this morning. Listen to this carefully. God is the one who makes your heart pure. I can't make your heart pure. Frosty can't make your heart pure. No one in this room can make, you, make your heart pure. There's only one person. It's only possible through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus, and through His sanctifying work in our lives. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to say yes to Jesus. Listen to this carefully. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Purity is a prerequisite for seeing God. Wow, what does it mean to see God? How was it possible? Because in John chapter 1, it says, no one has ever seen God face to face. Even Moses could not stand to see God face to face because that's how powerful the, the presence of God God's glory was so great, so powerful, he couldn't, he couldn't stand. The Bible says we, we, when we get to heaven, we see God face to face. But this beatitude says when you have a pure heart, you will see God. Listen to this. The, be, the beatitudes are written for the here and now. So what is, what is Jesus talking about here? Listen carefully. Jesus is talking about spiritual vision, not physical vision. Jesus is talking about spiritual vision. Physical vision is seeing through your natural eyes in your head. Spiritual vision is about seeing through the eyes of your heart. So Jesus is talking about spiritual vision. And that's why I love the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. When you have a pure heart, you will see God 
in three ways. Let me encourage you to write this down. This is not in your notes, but write this down. When you have a pure heart and when God opens your spiritual eyes, you see God in three ways. Here's the first one. You see God in creation. Have you ever gone for a walk out in the nature? You, know, you look at the ocean, you look at the mountains, and all of a sudden you just sense the presence of God. All of a sudden you, you feel closer to God. This morning when I left Wellington, as, as, we, were, as, I, as we were taking off, I looked out the window. It, I mean, you will know this blue sky. It was beautiful. And, and you just look and you go, the heavens declare the glory of God. And, and then I flew into Auckland. And then all of a sudden it's raining and it's cloudy. And I prayed, God, open the eyes of their hearts so they can see you in creation. I say to the, say to the duck, sorry, I'm in the wrong place. Uh, you know, you, you see see God in creation. Number two, you see God in your circumstances. Other people around you may not understand what's happening in your life, but you're like, you know what? I may be in the fire, but God's with me in the fire. I may be in the storm, but He's with me in the storm. Other people may not see God, but you're like, God is at work. And you can boldly say what was intended to harm me, God will turn it around for good. You see God in your circumstances. Number three, you see God in His Word. You read the Bible and all of a sudden the Bible comes alive. Even the book of Leviticus comes alive. I mean, you couldn't stay awake through Psalm 23 and now you, you, God's opened your eyes and the Word of God comes alive. And can I encourage everybody in this room, let's pray God remove spiritual cataracts so, you can see, so I can see you in your Word. With our physical eyes, we see the natural. With our spiritual eyes, we see the supernatural. Psalm 24, 3-4, David says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands, pure heart. Everybody say, clean hands, pure heart. We sing that song, clean hands, pure heart. When David says clean hands, he's speaking about righteousness. What is righteousness? Listen to this carefully. Righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including character, conscience, conduct, command. Right standing with God. And when he says pure hearts, he's talking about holiness. Set apart. Having moral purity. But here's the thing. Sometimes we say, God, I want clean hands. I want pure heart. And we say, God, use me. But the thing is that we are called to live and pursue a life of holiness. But in reality, many times, this is what we do. We have a little bit of our foot in God and a little bit of our foot in the world and a little bit of foot here, a little bit of foot there. And can I tell you, we want revival without repentance. But today God is saying to us, clean hands, pure heart. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. So how do we develop a pure heart? Three quick thoughts. Here's the first one. Number one, make a commitment to God's standard. Make a commitment to God's standard. Great to have my parents here today. They go to the Manor River campus, and they come to the best campus here. And um, only the front row agreed with me, Frosty. 
Not you and you, but we'll pray for you. And, um, you know, I, I remember when I was a teenager, I started testing my parents just like all the other kids would do when they're teenagers. I would say to them, you know, so-and-so's parents, they let them do that. You know, why can't I do it? Their mom and dad said they can do it. And I would say, oh, I want to do it. And my parents would always say this, as long as you live under my roof, you live under my rules. Not so-and-so's parents. Case closed. These are the rules. See, all of us need to resolve this important question. What is going to be the standard for my life? Am I going to live on God's standards or am I going to make up my own standards? Am I going to live according to the word or the world? Am I going to follow the truth or the trends? See, the Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 9, How can a young man stay pure by obeying your word? By obeying God's word in every area of my life. Do you know the best messages ever preached at church? The ones we live out. The ones that we live out. By obeying His word. If I play by His rules, I win. If I play by my rules, I lose. I remember many years ago, I think it was in the mid 2005 when I, five, when I was the worship pastor uh, back at our botany campus and it was my brother's wedding and I said to my brother, I, sorry, I, sp- I was speaking to somebody at my brother's wedding and someone overheard my conversation and I said to this person, I'd love to go to America, I'd love to go to, love to, go to Los Angeles and visit this church called LA Dream Center, amazing church. It's a church that has, uh, does ministries in prisons, homelessness, it's a church in action. They're a church that never sleeps. 24 7. I'm not just talking about church services, but they really make a difference in the city. And, and someone overheard my conversation, and during the week, he rang me and he said, Boyd, I was at your brother's wedding, and I really felt uh, when, I heard you over, uh, when I overheard your conversation, um, you said you want, to, you, want to, you want to go to LA. The Lord spoke to me and told me that I need to pay for you to, to go to LA and to visit this church. And he said, God told me. Let me tell you, normally when people tell me, God told me, I, need, I, I would respond by saying, look, I need to pray about it. I need to think about it. When he said this, I was like, brother, I can bring confirmation to you. I, I, this is definitely the Lord. You need to obey this. Don't be a Jonah. And um, so, so anyway, he, he paid for me to, to go to America. And just before I went to America, you know, I was on a very limited income. I was doing all my budgeting to make sure I had food to eat. And, uh, and, and just when I was doing all of that, and it, it came for my part to pay for the tithes. And I was like, oh, what do I do? Do I tithe? Or, you know, I'm going on a trip. And I was, you know, having, having a little bit of wrestling, spiritual wrestling going on. And I had a little voice say to me, oh, you can skip this week. After all, you're only going about the Lord's work, I'm sure. He understands. And then I was like, you know what? No, I made a decision. I'm going to give to, Lord, give to the Lord what belongs to the Lord. I made a decision and I tithed and, and I went to America. And while I was there, I remember the first week I was sitting there watching TV and, and one of the, there, there was a documentary on churches. And I'll never forget watching this church. It was like a bucket list, but I couldn't afford to go there. So I didn't go there. So I just went to LA and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Boyd, you need to book your ticket and go and visit that church while you're here. I was like, Holy Spirit, for your information, I tithed. If I hadn't tithed, I could have gone to that church. Just letting you know. <laughs> Only for your FYI, I'm not moaning, I'm not complaining. Just for your FYI. 
And then the, I couldn't sleep that night. The Holy Spirit kept saying to me, Boyd, book the ticket. Book the ticket. And I just thought, I'm just going to do it. I booked the t- ticket and I'm like, I'm going to fast. At least I'll be skinnier by the time I get to Auckland. And uh, I'm, I've got no food to eat. And anyway, I booked the ticket and I woke up the next morning. And I was like, uh, I hope I've got enough money to eat for the rest of the trip. And I'll never forget when I went and checked my bank account for some reason. I had more money than the night before. I was like, what's going on? And I noticed somebody had deposited money into my account just as I was booking for the strip. This lady from church, she didn't even know I was in America, but the Lord spoke to her and, and she put money into this account, into my account. I was like, the Lord is good. And I've been a visitor this church, had a life-changing encounter with God, but it doesn't stop there. I remember having to fly back to Auckland and I had a transit in Fiji. Man, thank God for Fiji. Who doesn't want to stop in Fiji for a transit? And I'll never forget it arriving in Fiji, and I prayed this prayer, God, it looks so nice here. I've never been in, uh, to Fiji. I had a two-hour transit. I thought, Lord, it'll be so good to spend a day here. And then I'm, you know, then I'm going, to the, going to the boarding gate, and, and, and it said, Auckland, Air New Zealand, Auckland, cancelled. I was like, hey? And I went to the desk, and I said, what's going on? And they said, Mr. Ratnaraja, we are so sorry to inconvenience you. As the flight was coming from Auckland to, to Nandi, just before they landed, all these birds flew into the, into the aircraft. And now you have to spend the day in, in, in Nandi while we fix it. I was like, oh, so inconvenient. You know, I'm a busy man. I've got places to go, people to meet. And then I was like, where, where, do I have to spend the whole time at the airport? And they were like, no, no, no. We will put you in a resort. I was like, really? Who pays for it? They were like, all expenses covered, all your, all your lunches, dinners. Uh, they were about to get a big bill, you know. We will, we will look after you. And I was like, oh, look what the Lord has done. Thank you, Jesus. And honestly, all the Americans, they were there on their way to New Zealand. They had cruises booked. They had tours. And they are crying. They are fighting. And they were like, how could this happen? I was like, sorry, guys. I prayed for this. But anyway, I didn't tell them that. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I had the best day in Nandi, relaxing by the pool. This is the day that the Lord has made. Look what the Lord is. Oh, bring the food, bring the food. And, and some people didn't want to eat it. I was like, I'll eat all their food. It doesn't stop. When I got back to the airport, they said, Mr. Ratraja, the flight is filled. We are so sorry. We have decided to upgrade you. I was like, so inconvenient. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. They had double-story planes. They put me at the top. And I, man, I'll tell you, I sat at the top, and I thought, if you're faithful with a little, God will trust you with even greater things. If you live by God's rules, you burn. So number one, honor God. Live according to His standards. Number two, manage your mind. Philippians 4, 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The battle is won or lost in your minds. Your mind is a battlefield. It's where you win or lose the battle. Second Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The truth is no transformation takes place until your thoughts begin to change. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything 
that stimulates youthful lusts. The Bible says, flee from temptation. Don't hang around temptation. It says, turn your back on temptation. The best way to stop acting out is to turn over your back on whatever is pulling you in the opposite direction. You make a decision. I'm, I'm not going to hang around temptation. Flee from temptation. Listen to this carefully. It's not a sin to be tempted, but it's a sin to give into temptation. It's not a sin to be tempted. I mean, even Jesus was tempted. But it's a sin when you act on it. Can I tell you, temptation is not a new concept. You go back to the Garden of Eden. It started all the way there. You know, Adam and Eve, they, they gave in. So today, can I encourage you, don't give in to temptation. The Bible says in 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Lust of the flesh, what do I mean by that? Anything, that this is intense desire, Craving for physical pleasure or instant gratification. Lust of the flesh. Then it says, lust of the eyes. It refers to coveting, the need to possess what we see. When you see something, you're like, I've got to have that. David went for a walk and he saw this woman bathing and he was like, I must have her. He took one of his soldier's wives and got her pregnant. Lust of the eyes. You know, honest confession. When I travel, I do not like to go to the Apple store. That's my weakness. Shannon's like, why did you buy another Apple product? I'm like, I want to be apostolic. <laughs> Ministry enhancement makes you more anointed. I, 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 I don't know. I just have to go into the Apple store for no reason. But if you're like, if Apple store, you know, apostolic, if it makes you apostolic, what about Androids? You just need deliverance. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> Turn your back on temptation. Joseph, Mrs. Potiphar was putting pressure on him to sleep with her and to compromise his values. I love this. He ran away and the Bible says he left his coat behind, behind and she was holding onto his coat and then she accused him of rape. Here's the thing. Listen to this carefully. Joseph lost his coat, but he kept his character. Sometimes running away from temptation means leaving your coat behind. Why? Because the call of God on your life is far too great for a moment of pleasure, for, for, for temporary pleasure. Commit to God's standard. Manage your mind. Number three, live with integrity. If I could ask the keyboard player to come and join me. I hope I haven't gone over time. Oh, you're all good? good? Great. What's integrity? Integrity is when your private life matches your public life. Integrity is when what you say matches with what you do. Integrity is who we are when no one is watching. See, integrity is different to your reputation. Reputation is what others say you are. Integrity is who you really are. Have you ever watched you know, a trade me listing of our house? We've done this many times. You look at our house and you're like, this is our dream house. Oh, look at the bedrooms. So spacious. This is it. We go. And the photos lied. They put filters. They take the bedrooms from an angle. Can't fit my family of four in one room. And Shannon's like, this is not our dream house. Listen to this carefully. Have you ever watched someone from a distance? And you get close to them. And you think, oh, they're not who I thought they were. 
integrity is when you get close to somebody and they're like, wow, they exceeded all my expectations. Integrity. Clean hands, pure heart. I'm going to close with a story and then I'm going to pray for people. There's an amazing story in the book of 2 Kings about a man named Naaman. And Naaman was an amazing warrior. He was the commander of the army, but he suffered with leprosy. And his servant said to him, hey, you need to go and see the prophet. And he went and saw the prophets and the prophet said to him, Elisha said to him, I want you to go and, and dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman was ticked off. He was like, no, I'm too classy for it. His, his soldiers said to him, hey, why don't you just try? Why don't you just do what the, what the servant is asking you to do, what the prophet's asking you to do? So he goes and he dips himself seven times and he's healed. And then he comes back to the prophet and he said, hey, I want to give you some gifts to say thank you for, for my healing. And Elisha says, I don't want your gifts. It's all good. You can go. Elisha had a servant called Gehazi. Gehazi was thinking to himself, my boss is crazy. He's this guy, he wants to give him gifts and he doesn't want any gifts. And then Gehazi runs after Naaman and he lies to, the, lies to Naaman and he says, Naaman, I, I want you to know, boss has changed his mind. Elisha changed his mind. He would like some of the gifts. He lies and he takes some of the gifts and he takes it home and he hides it. And when he comes back to Elisha, Elisha said to him, hey, where have you been? Where have you been? 2 Kings 5.27, because you have done this, your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy. His skin was white as snow. I was thinking about this during the week. Listen to this carefully. Elisha was Elijah's servant, and he got a double portion of the anointing. In theory, in reality, Gehazi should get triple portion of the anointing, of the mantle. But he got leprosy instead because of a lack of integrity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can I encourage you? Make decisions today. The generations after you will thank you for the decisions that we make today.